Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tews at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. As remote work becomes more widely used, it reduces cost to organizations with solutions that eliminate the need for face-to-face meetings and other in-person work. The recent growing demands for remote work solutions have accelerated development in extended reality, including virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Corporations and education systems are adopting these tools to enable more innovation and ways to engage employees, teachers, students, and customers. Safety and training are two hot areas for our guest today who has worked with tools like these to make education and training become more accessible, affordable, and efficient with a rise in augmented reality and content management systems. My guest today is David Skurlock. David is the CEO and the founder of In Your Face Learning and Educational, a professional development firm that is dedicated to making immersive technologies more impactful and engaging. David works in industries that want to leverage extended reality tools in business and manufacturing, retail, healthcare, hospitality, education, and helping individuals learn through the use of augmented and virtual and mixed reality tools. David has an extensive background in education and professional development training. He started his profession as a regional training manager for the Home Services Division of Sears and continued his technical development training as a technical teacher at IBM. David, welcome to Explain to Shane. I was so fortunate to get to meet you this past spring when I went out to the University of Wisconsin at Parkside and was talking to a group. And you walked up to me, you were so kind and said, well, you don't happen to know my cousin. And I was like, I don't know, who's your cousin? He said, Valerie Jared. And I was like, no, but I'd really like to know your cousin. Actually, the, the woman I was just mentioning who uh, does some looking for some information on VR is actually your cousin's neighbor. In strange ways, Washington's a big city in a small town. So I, oh, I, I am sure. <laughs> so just to get us started, talk to us about your professional experience in education and workplace development, as well as what made you decide to incorporate extended reality or as XR, as it's called, into your, your teaching regime. What got you started on that? Sure, Shane. Well, my, my background, I have a degree in business marketing and then went into sales with IBM and stayed in the technology space, if you will. So I've always had a, a fascination with uh, technology, did a little bit of uh, gaming as I, as I grew up and, and enjoyed that. But then really what happened is uh, I I pivoted in my career and went into training and development. Really, uh, that became a a passion. And specifically, I was doing uh, product training. Many times it was new product training, and it could be working with anyone from a salesperson to inside customer service to technical. And so that's where I really got the... um, passion and the vision, if you will, with regards to uh, workforce development and and training. And then it was actually because of a business challenge that we started looking at using technology for training. And it just so happened, uh, I was with an organization and had to train tech uh, technicians really on the new flat screen TVs. And this goes back obviously a number of years ago, but the business challenge was uh, too expensive to bring too many TVs in and have everybody get this hands-on experience like they did, let's say, with a washer and a dryer. So long story short, fast forward, uh, the manufacturers started saying, well, we need to do some of this virtually. And so that's where I got the first exposure. It really wasn't myself. 
but it was organizations, quite frankly, like Sony, Philips, and a couple of LG, a couple of others that because of their business demands or recommendations, that's how I started to uh, recognize really how it could be used in a very impactful way. When you first mentioned it to me, I thought, you know, I don't know, it seemed kind of isolating. And then as I thought through it, I thought, actually, no, it would be really immersive. You know, we've all been in those training rooms where you're 30 people and you haven't yet met your colleagues and they kind of throw a bunch of information at you and then say, who has questions? And you don't know the room well enough to be like, well, actually now I'd ask anybody anything, but, um, you know, like want to be the person who didn't quite get it or ask. And I think, wow, in this environment, you could just probably go back and say, okay, let's do that again. I just didn't really understand that. I mean, I'm curious to, to get a sense of how this goes. So can you give us one of your most memorable training seminars that you conducted in XR? Yes. And it was actually just here very recently. And I was asked to come into a group or a meeting. It was a conference in the morning. And this was just uh, two weeks ago on a Saturday morning. So nine o'clock, I go into the room and this is a uh, conference that's kind of blending music and technology. So long story short, it ended up and I knew the gentlemen that were running the program, but this happened to be individuals that had been incarcerated and honestly a couple of them for many years and they were they were in part of a program called on the way out so long story short we used the immersive technology i had the oculus hollow lens and really we're just educating and giving them the experience of how this technology can be used in learning things and, and to my surprise a couple of the gentlemen had actually been musicians in the past, and it was just amazing to see these individuals, and a couple were 45, maybe up to 60, and how all of a sudden you could see a smile on their face and see where they hadn't had a lot of experiences outside of the environment that they had been in, how this technology really got them motivated. And, and and as you said, they were able to immerse, go back, do it a couple of times. And so that really just stood out to me as, my goodness, this, this really does have and can be impactful. It's not just uh, fun and games anymore. That's a really interesting use case just in, in that whole kind of idea that I have um, friends who are social workers and people that have been incarcerated for quite some time that you realize, depending on when they went in, they may have never used an ATM machine. They, you know, which, I mean, there's all these things that modern technology in, you know, the kids today are, are digital native. You walk out of a place that's been your home for the last several years. And, you know, you, this, the society has changed quite a bit. So that's a really interesting preposition of like saying, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to help you understand this. So when you get out there, it's not going to be this completely foreign world. That is the new land that you're going to live in. Well, you know, Shane, and I'll, I'm going to build on that just to, to uh, a week ago, uh, last week, I had lunch with a young man. Name is Adam had been incarcerated, had come out and was really into the technology. And he, Shane uh, spoke to exactly just what you were saying. He showed me using a 360 camera and some things that, that he was doing. And again, he was part of this program. How do I reach back 
and help individuals. And he said just that. Imagine, if you will, individuals don't know how to use an ATM. They don't know how to use a scanner in a grocery store if they have to go to the motor vehicle. So now, and I'm going to start working with him and put him in touch with some some, uh, young folks that are gaming uh, develop. And we're going to work on something in the Milwaukee area so that individuals that have to come out can do just that. They can put on the headset and immerse themselves in exactly the environment that they're going to have to be in. And and he said, if I had this, it would have made the world of difference because half of it is fear of the unknown and what are people going to think of me? So anyway, yeah, it's amazing. And it's exciting to me when people see this technology, those are the kind of ideas that start to spin and spawn off. And it goes all the way back to how I started continuing to look at the educational and workforce applications that this technology now offers. So give us a sense of your role. Do you help build the curriculum? Are you helping use the, the technical function of it? Or is it a blend of those two things? Yes, it's I, I like uh, Shane to con- uh, consider myself a curator. So uh, I'm not really a developer and I don't uh, develop the, the software. But what I what I will do is I, I go out there and, you know, through a lot of research and you know, the conference like you were at, I've worked with uh, Dean James and we've done some webinars. And so I will find two things. What is the business need or the educational need? And then what are the applications that already exist out there and put the two together and then help individuals with the technology? Because quite frankly, one of the barriers is, and I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, the technology sometimes is not user friendly. For example, I was with Dean James, and we had 16 high school teachers, and I'll be back with them next Wednesday. All got new Oculus. They're very excited about what they're going to do with it, but the first step was getting them even comfortable with uh, using it, and so that's what my role is. I will find the business education need, marry that to the right curriculum. And there is a lot of curriculum now being developed already and then help whoever that client is make that uh, transition, if you will. And that's what in your face or now what I do, blending that love of the technology and training and development. So I like the way you put that. So it's basically you're, you're 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 marrying the technology into a program that you already know is available, but maybe just wouldn't come to the surface. And so somebody comes to you and says, "Here's the problem I'm solving for." Let's say Dean James has got a group, which is they're coming, they're going to show up here in August. Can we use your your equipment to help? You know, and it also is a catalyst because you do have the ability to learn a lot faster, or people can learn at their own pace. I would imagine. If that's kind of an option, if, like I said, they need to, they can like rewind, repeat, rewind, repeat until they've got whatever the process is. So you, you, know, you're, you we talked about XR as in, you mentioned that um, in some of your writing that it's an emerging umbrella item given to all computer generated environments that either merge physical and virtual worlds or create an entirely immersive experience for the user. So this is what we hear people talk about as augmented, but there's also virtual and mixed reality. And can you? Explain the key differences between those or the similarities, and then give us an idea when you would use one versus the other. Like when is augmented more efficient, or when is virtual just better? You know, is it numbers? Is it is it the information that you're sending to the user? I would say it's the content 
and then it's it's where they're receiving uh, the information. So yeah, the, the the VR or virtual realities, you've got the headset on or the goggles, and now your sight and your hearing, all of that is is very immersive. So there are things like that. If you were going to, for example, we I do this with students, young kids, they want to see what it would be like to be in the International Space Station and really experience weightlessness and really some of the same ways that the astronauts train. So that's an example of where true VR is probably the best solution for that. In working with a technician, and that technician is uh, working on an air conditioner, let's say, or any kind of device, they need to see the exploded view, maybe that quick little YouTube video, and they want to see it in 360. That's an example of where augmented reality is is better. Because if they're, uh, and I did work with Johnson Controls, they're up on a rooftop, they've already got uh, a device. And that's the other thing, Shane, that's interesting and where it makes sense. Virtually every mobile device now most of the new mobile phones that are coming out tablets everything that apple's doing already has the augmented quote-unquote mixed reality in it you take your your camera hold it up shoot the qr code and now it comes alive you can turn it see it so that's usually where fit the right application to and the right tool to the right job that you want to have to have to do it again that's that something is, that i that i that that's i really do. cool okay so i mean i'm just making this up <laughs> to the extent that i can understand so like if i'm on let's say you know the johnson controls guy is up on one of the buildings and he's looking at a system he can take a picture of it or maybe put in some information about it and then the vr will help match the current environment to the process that he's trying to learn about, like that particular machine, you know, it, I mean, you, you're on the rooftop, you don't want to go back down and have to learn the whole thing. So it's like, here you are, what, what information is it providing for me? That is exactly right. And, and now in that, in that case, Shane, you wouldn't have uh, the headset on what you would, you're up there on that roof. So you've got your tablet, your phone. So what that's doing is giving you the information that you need for that particular unit. And you now can see it in, in, in the actual unit in 360. And honestly, many times what that technician needs to know, okay, where are the screws? How do I get this off? What They can do the diagnostic and they can kind of fix it. But many times if it's something new, how do I get to it? And to your point, they need to be able to do that pretty efficiently because they're up there. It might be hot. They're running a call. So that's the example. Now, I'll just take uh, one more. Let's say they're going to train on that. And now they really need to experience what is it like when I'm sitting up there on that roof and I've got to do that. Well, we're not going to necessarily take a whole classroom of novice up on a on a top of a roof and do that. But now I can take, again, that those same images, those same, uh, uh, the object, if you will, I put them in the headset, and now it's as if I'm up there on the roof, and oh my goodness, yeah, I've got to make sure I've got the harness on, and I've got to do all safety, and oops, I don't want to slip, so let me try that again. So again, it, 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 am I training uh, someone to learn something for the first time, or am I taking someone that's got experience and saying, I need this information for this specific application. And so that's an example of augmented in one case, 
and using some of the same technology. And that's what's really neat. Now, when you're using certain things to develop it, I can say, well, if I need to just see it on the desktop, I can look at it. If I want to see it augmented, I can hit the QR code and I'm now seeing it in 360. I can move it and everything, but I'm still on my desktop. I want to now take that immersion to the next level. I plug in the headset or I load it because now everything is kind of in the cloud. I load it. I put on the headset. I'm now completely immersed in it. And so that's what's getting exciting is that, and that's why they now call it extended reality or XR, because it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of all of that, if you will. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. So what are the training modules that are most in demand right now in workforce? Interesting soft skills are, are one of them. So, so some of the, the, the hard technical skills, yes, I, I, I need to understand how to get the condenser off and anything that you can think of that is technical of nature and where there's safety involved. I need to know how to uh, drive a forklift. And so, you know, some of that, I've, I've seen this used in places like Amazon and that, that I, I need to understand now how the technology works. So that's, uh, that's one area wherever it's safety is concerned or danger. So that's, that's an area. But the other one, Shane, that's interesting is soft skills. And again, I'll give you a very specific example. And I was working with the, the on your way out people. Again, they've got a transition, and this person is now maybe got to get in front of uh, the authority. Maybe they've got to go for a job interview. They need to get in front of the DMV. Well, you can do that in a classroom, maybe, or there's now the type of thing where, again, you think about it, you create the avatar that gets into the metaverse, and I've got this little avatar. I can now be sitting here in Illinois interacting with you in Washington, D.C., and I'm an avatar, and I'm practicing with you to help you prepare for your TED Talk or for your interview. And now you get a chance, like you said, practice, rehearse. And by the way, just like we're recording this, I can record it. And now maybe my coach, maybe my parole officer, maybe my manager looks at it and gives me feedback. So uh, that's another very interesting one. Anger management, uh, soft skills, some of the interviewing. So that's now becoming more popular and you have more people developing those kinds of applications for this technology. You mentioned the safety and the danger, which is so interesting. I'm sure there'll be a lot of psychological studies about how you can work through those blocks, you know, because you're doing it in a virtual reality and depending on how real it feels, but eventually learn like you can come out the other side or one thing that comes to mind being in Washington, DC for a long time, I'm always fascinated with the bus drivers and God love them because about once every four or five months, I'll see one that just, you know, they're, they're in a tight space. And I'm like, I'm sure they, I don't know how they even train for that. You know, and, were you, and it's usually something else is in the way or somebody decided to cut the bus off and they're all mushed. But, you know, you'd rather go through that in an augmented reality where it feels very real. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know that you've been able to do it from a video perspective, but like that, I think about truck drivers and then medical people are always bringing up the idea of being able to do laser surgery and really walk through all this and have uh, like a hundred hours or however many hours are needed under your belt on a virtual you know, situation before you ever actually go touch a human being, which I think was probably going to up our, our ability to have you know better surgical outcomes, I would imagine. That's fascinating. Yes. So what, 
is cost an obstacle for adoption? Because I know the headsets are are still relatively expensive. Well, it's interesting. The 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 cost is coming down. For example, the what what you're now seeing advertised, you know, anywhere you want to buy them in any of the big boxes, the 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 Oculus that that's kind of the one. They're in the two hundred dollar range, and, and like anything else, depending on the memory and 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 all of that. Uh, now. Uh, when you really get into what some of the universities are using and, for example, surgeons and that type of thing, now you're in, now you're into the thousands of dollars and there's still north of a thousand, two thousand. You can get some that are even five thousand when they, the, the, the hollow lens, as they call them. And so, yes, it is somewhat of a barrier because obviously as you go up in price, the resolution, the just like a computer, you've got more power, rendering power. And when you think of what you see, the, the Oculus, honestly, they started for gaming. And that, that's yeah. even one of the barriers. You know, everybody likes, oh, yeah, I did the roller coaster thing and I did the haunted house or, you know, whatever. Uh, and that's okay. But now the resolution is getting better. Uh, the other thing is you don't have to be tethered to a computer. Some of the, the high-end headsets require a high-end computer, and you've got you know the, your wired and everything else. And so uh, the technology is coming down in in price, and and because people are saying, well, now it has more than just games and fun, but we can use these in education, and you'll have a classroom putting fifty of them in or working with Dean James at UW Parkside in her program. She just, as part of the program, gave 16 high school students, or not really gave, but as part of their, in the program, they all got Oculus Quest that they're going to be using. So it is coming down in price, and that's what's bringing the developers, education, workforce developers, safety, all of that, bringing those developers to say, we need to start using really the same engines and even some of the same technology because people want to be rewarded. Like you said, if I get it right, give me positive reinforcement right now and let me move on to the next level. If not, then let me try it again. And then when I get it right, I, I've built my confidence and then I go on to the next. Even for me, as a 30-year in workforce development, if I can do that, I'm now not trying to teach to a common denominator. And you think about that. Like you said, I'm sitting in the class and sometimes you're either teaching down to you or wait a minute, they're going way over my head. And all, like you said, I put on the headset or I'm using this augmented reality. I can kind of learn at my own pace, do it a couple of times. And even if I use that tool as preparation, I'm not going to be in there for hours on hours, but if I can, as an instructor, as that facilitator, get everyone to, this is how you turn the bus. This is how you use the forklift. This is how you safely use the fire, whatever it is. This is how you safely incubate someone in a virtual environment. So now when you come into the real environment, the learning curve is much quicker. It's easier for the facilitator because now I've got everybody at the same baseline. And so that's, again, another way of just merging it and using it as another tool to get everybody trained faster, safer, safer, 
and really in a much more engaging way. And there's studies and, and, and research. PricewaterCooperhouse has shown research, and I can provide you with a link to that, uh, that that is the case. So one of the critiques has been that there is a limit on how long people can kind of endure having the device on their face or going through the process. And it could also be the content. I mean, so I'm curious if you've seen if there's kind of a maximum amount of time that is still a good learning experience. Is it half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour before you need to take a break? Absolutely. In fact, I would say uh, 15 minutes to 20 minutes. So let's say even if you're doing something that's an hour, two hours, and again, we I have workshops working with the with the little kids and that, uh, and we may be there for a half a day, but we're never in, and the younger they are, the shorter the period. But yeah, you want to be in there for a short period of time, then you stop. Let's discuss that. What did you learn? Some people are motion sickness or get motion sick. I've had some individuals claustrophobic. When I was working with the ex-offenders, there was one couldn't do it. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That puts me back in the cell. I'm and nope. So immediately you take it off. So shorter is better. And again, that's an example of if someone does can't stand and and I had someone, well, let's say if they have epilepsy or it triggers something, well, then we don't do it. We take it off. That's an example of where I can now use augmented reality. I can get kind of that experience, but shorter is always better. And yeah, I'm not sitting in there for an hour, two hours. Now, some people will do that. They'll watch a movie, they'll watch a concert, and they are getting more comfortable. But for the purpose of education, workforce development, in my opinion, my experience, shorter, briefer, more frequent is better. I can totally understand that. I have an Oculus Quest and mm-hmm. I'm, this is going to sound so counterintuitive. What I like to do is put it on when you first put it on, then they're getting you oriented. They have, at least in mine, I feel like I'm in a very nice Airbnb somewhere on the border of New Mexico and Mexico. And I just like to sit in it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really happy. I'm like, do I have to go anywhere? I'm like, no, I could just sit here and you move your head and it moves around and you can kind of walk around in it a little bit, but it's, it's because I'm terrible at meditating and I've actually found that I, I like it. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You're going to have to give me a list of things that I can do other than that, that I can, you know, I'm really curious about the educational functions. I'm, I'm not a gamer. So um, any, what do you recommend if you want to like start stepping into this space, if you're not part of an official program that like you're running, like what, what would you, what would you send people to go download? There's a couple of them. And, and to your point, when you, if you get the Oculus and I'm going to use that because I'm, I'm most familiar with that. There's a couple that are already free that are already on there. One's called first start. And that's what we always use. I don't care if they're teachers or if they're kindergartners, because that is, you know, very uh, immersive. And, and what that's doing is getting you comfortable with using the controllers. And so that's that's one of the, the very first ones. Another one that's very good that is very popular, they call it Beat Saver. And that you have music and, and the controllers become savers. But that's... Oh. Hand- it's hand and eye coordination because you have to move and you can really get a workout with that hand eye coordination. So Beat Saver is, is a very good one. When you mention meditation, uh, and again, that first one you're in, that's kind of the room and you can change those rooms. But I'll tell you one that's getting a lot of press right now. And I had 
extended conversations with the folks that are working with, uh, uh, again, ex-offenders that, that have anger issues. And one of the teachers with uh, Dean James is a psychologist. And this one is on the Oculus. It's called TRIP. And it is a meditation application. And I'll tell you, it's amazing because, again, imagine that you're immersed and it has you breathing. It has you close your eyes. And again, the, the, the challenge with meditating, at least for me, and I've tried it, I hear something on the outside or you, how do I shut, put the headset on and now all of a sudden you hear just soft, whatever it is. And, and what's very interesting, it starts with what is your mood? Are you angry? Are you tense? Where do you want to be? I want to be on a beach. I want to be. And then once you do that for the next 10 or 15 minutes, as you breathe, it's absolutely, and it's called T-R-I-P-P. And I'll send you, that's one thing that I've done, Shane, is I've gone through, and as part of what I can send, and you can put the link out, I have uh, one simple spreadsheet that has these applications. Some are free. Most you download for a couple, do- a couple dollars, maybe $15. But I have them broken out. Is this STEM or you know science technology? Is it designed more for soft skills? And so I'll send that to you. And that's, again, part of what I do. I, uh, you know, I go in and I'm part of the Oculus and then I'm a reseller for another organization that all they do is education. So I get a chance to try a lot of these. And so that's what I do. I can, I'll send that to you and, and you'll find that that will really kind of open your eyes to the power that that it has. That would be great. Well, at AEI, we we focus on policy. And one of the big things that we're focused on right now is, is more broadband adoption. And we have the government spending a tremendous amount of money trying to make sure everybody has access to broadband if they wish it. So as we work through that, so hopefully that will take care of a majority of the problem of actually having access to broadband. How would you recommend we we get this to be to get a better adoption of XR and VR or augmented for these education tools that you're you're talking about? Is are you working with the school systems with the educators? I mean, who is it that's kind of the fulcrum point that says we need to actually think about investing into this this type of education because it has? I'm thinking the more we do it, we're going to probably get some really good statistics around this that show. It's got a high adoption rate and the, the, the repeat that the people wanting to use it as a tool would be pretty high. Yes, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I think it has to come from a, a, a couple of perspectives. And, and I'll give you a, a very real world example. So we're working with these uh, 16 high school teachers that teach uh, history, psychology, those things. And they're, and they're part of a program that Dean James is doing. So these are the high school teachers. And they, as part of the program, have to do something with the Oculus and immersive. So it starts, I think, with the high school teachers that say, I can see the value and the impact that this has. Then it does have to get to the administrative level because there's a, a, an investment that has to be made. Now, Again, the, the, the hardware is coming down in cost, but, but you do have it. But just like any high school, well, I shouldn't say any, because, again, I've, I work with and I, quite frankly, came from uh, inner city schools in, in the Milwaukee area. And it was better back when I was there than it is now. Some are just now getting Chromebooks and, and getting access to these things. So, number one, have to have the access. But just like you would set up a computer lab, 
or you, uh, I go into some of the schools and they now do have the Chromebooks and they leave them there. Some, they can't bring them home. You can really do the same thing with the headsets. And, and, and so fairly inexpensively, they can be all set up with educational uh, software on them and then brought in and used just like you would a, a laptop uh, laser printer. So that's, that's one way uh, I think that it can be done. But that's the where the administration, you know, some of the funding that has been coming down from, uh, you know, the COVID relief. And I'm working with a couple of uh, organizations. And what's interesting is some, there are dollars for the technology. Because at some point, you use this technology, like I said, for workforce development, design. So how do we invest in the technology in the schools to give particularly some of the underserved communities that don't have it at home the access to that? So it could be after-school programs, boys and girls programs. So that's, I think, the way that it can be done and to give that access. And then the other thing that I'm finding is that once the teachers see it, but once the students, and I'm talking even the younger ones that I work with, they will tell you, I really learned from that. And I found that fun. It made learning fun because it does. It has some gaming to it. So I think that getting the students and you have to start with a pilot and we're doing like virtual field trips. They can't go to the White House, but they can take a virtual tour of Washington, D.C. And if they've got it uh, in the headset and they're using something like Google VR and they're now walking around and they're getting a tour of the White House by one of the former presidents in real time. For some students, that's a, that's a game changer because they're not going to have the ability to get on a bus or a plane and go there. So uh, I, I think it's 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 going to happen, but it's got to be the teachers. It's got to be the students, and they're they're going to want it. It's amazing when you talk to them; they see it more as just a game. But then at that decision maker level, the funding has to be there. And it's more than, like I said, the hardware. You do have to train the uh, the teachers because th there is a way of teaching using this that is a little bit different. Training trainers. It's always important. You, yes. put, you can put a lot of money into technology and software, but you got to make sure the person who's training it actually knows how to use it. Yeah, That's right. And the devices being able to be a community asset. I realized during COVID, we're a little weirded out about some of that, but there's ways to clean things. And I do think some people, I mean, you're in an immersive gaming environment, you want your own equipment, but for a lot of this, you know, 15, 20 minutes and having it in the classroom, if we can find a safe way to do that and it doesn't go running off the premise, I think would be uh, really fantastic. And, it, you know, as I think through the use cases for what is going to make AR and VR and XR really much more user friendly and it's the network effect and the fact that you've got uh, Fortune 100 companies using it for workforce and they're realizing the education. Eventually, we will see that the network effect will bring the cost down, hopefully, on this. And, and we'll start to get evidence through research that shows it really is. I, um, you know, Right now, it's anecdotal to me, but I'm sure that at the end of the day, we're going to find out it is a, a very valuable educational tool. So, David, thank you for being a guest on Explain to Shane. Please keep in touch. I'm really going to be fascinated to hear about the work that you're doing. So I, I hope you will keep us in mind when you're doing great things of somebody to, to just check in and, and let us know how it's going. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you. And thank you for uh, inviting me on your, your podcast. And I will absolutely do that as Dean James and I are, are doing some uh, kind of neat things 
I will keep you informed and you're more than welcome to, you know, join us at any time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Explain to Shane. For more episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred listening platform. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues to tune in. We'll see you on the next episode of Explain to Shane.